Joe and Amber, the podcast. All right, let's have ourselves an hour, a real big hour. Alongside Myron Metcalf, my name is Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. For those who have been kind enough to wait patiently on hold, we are coming to you in this segment. Stay tight. The topic of conversation is college football realignment. We're going to get you set with everything you need to know. You were aware USC and UCLA were jumping to the Pac-10 next season. You may not be aware that as of today, Oregon and Washington are scheduled to join them. You were aware Colorado was headed for the Big 12 next season. You may not be aware that Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are attempting to and are likely to join them in the Big 12. That would leave just Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal in the Pac-12 in the year 2024. A lot to dissect. Myron, first question out of the gate. I want to think about the fans. I don't want to think about conference commissioners. I don't want to think about TV networks. I don't want to think about everyone and all their money and how all of this is going to align for them. I want to think about fans, and I want to think about viewers. You and I watch a lot of college football on Saturdays. There are a lot of people listening to this show that watch a lot of college football on Saturdays. How is all of this going to impact us in the future? Well, I think of anything, you're going to see some more exciting conference matchups. You know, um, I think conferences are going to stick to their own. I don't think you're going to see as many non-conference games, longer conference schedules, but the games are still going to be incredible. Uh, and I think, you know, you have Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, Texas, Alabama, the potential there, Oklahoma, Alabama. You're going to see some exciting matchups as a result of all this as well. But if you're not in the mix, I think that's where things change a lot. If you're a Cal, a Washington State, a Washington, you got to be, I mean, a Washington State, uh, Oregon State, you got to be going, where are we left and all that? I don't know. You know, I don't know who you're going to end up playing. Even if you're an ACC school, Joe, these leagues have taken priority over everything else. And now the Big 12, adding what they added, might have an edge when it comes to what people want to see. So, I just think it's going to be interesting uh, going forward how they arrange everything. But I don't think viewers, for the most part, it's not going to change a lot for them. For the fan bases who've been left out, they are the ones that are going to suffer the most. Agreed. We're good. For the most part, we're good. Now, if you're an Oregon State fan, I agree with you. And I'll address that more in just a second. But we're good. We're going to continue to have big games. I remember when... Texas and Texas A&M had the situation where A&M was jumping to the SEC. Oh, my God, we lost Texas, Texas A&M. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. It's a great rivalry. We're actually going to get that rivalry back when Texas joins the SEC. Not saying that it's going to work like that for everything, but there are going to be some situations where we lose some good matchups. Oregon and USC are going to be moving to the Big Ten together, so we'll keep that sort of thing intact. But ultimately, new rivalries are going to be born. Like, if USC is going head-to-head with Ohio State every year, uh, I'm, Joe Formball is not going to be complaining. Joe Formball is yeah. not going to be upset about that game on the schedule. If every single year, now that Texas is coming over into the SEC, I'm going to be forced to watch Texas and Alabama, well, you know what? Myron Metcalf, you call my wife and you tell her I'm going to be forced <laughs> to watch that game, and everyone better clear yeah. out for four-plus hours because I want to watch pre, post, and then whatever's on after that. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to do yeah. just fine. What happens to a situation like the Rose Bowl? All that tradition about Big Ten, or excuse, yeah, Big Ten, Pac-12, that's going to be gone. And, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to get used to the new era of Rose Bowl football. Yeah, I, I mean, the Pac-12, 
did a lot to try to protect the Rose, Rose Bowl's position. And here we are. We don't know what happens with that because an entire league has been eliminated. I would say, Joe, everything that happened before the leagues agreed to the 12-team playoff and how that would all work, I would say throw that in the trash. I think we have a 12-team playoff. In terms of who's in control and who gets in, that's going to change. Now, it has to change because if you're giving the six leagues an automatic berth and one of those leagues disappear, well, something has to give there. But if you're the SEC and you're the Big Ten and now maybe even the Big 12 and you've got these super leagues, you're asking for multiple guaranteed bids in that 12-team playoff. I think that's going to be the next step is the big leagues are going to want a much bigger piece of that playoff pie. And you know what? I think they'll get it, considering the way that the landscape has shifted in their favor. Let's go to the phones. For those of you who have been patient enough to hang on, we'd love to hear from you. ACC fans, after watching what's happening to the Pac-12, what do you think is going to happen to your conference? Are you nervous? Pac-12 fans, especially those of you in Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, Cal, this is a safe space. We'd love to hear from you. Triple eight, say ESPN. Triple eight, seven two nine three seven seven six. Stager, and if I'm mispronouncing that, Stager, Stager, I apologize. You're from Spokane. You're on Washington. You want to talk about the Huskies? Welcome to the show, man. How you feeling? Uh, pretty good. All right. So, what are you thinking? Are you a Washington fan? They're leaving the Pac-12. What do you make of that? I'm a Washington State fan. Washington State. Okay, so how do you feel about the situation right now moving forward? There's only four of you left in 2024. We're doomed. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I love the honesty. I respect the honesty. That's <laughs> That's we're a mid-major. How, how old are you? Oh, no. How old are you? What? Are you still there? Yeah. How old are you? I'm going to eighth grade. I'm 14. All right, you're going to 8th grade, 14. You sound young. We appreciate you calling us tonight. Thank you so much. So what do you want to see happen? Obviously, it's not the end of the world for Washington State. You're going to figure something out moving forward. What do you think's best for the program? Uh, Join the WCC with Gonzaga. Um. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. He's just filled with jokes tonight. All right, man, we appreciate the phone call. You know what? Optimism on a night where there's not a lot in that sort of area. Because those are the teams you got to feel bad for. I mean, Oregon State's coming off a 10-win season. If you are, and this is what I was alluding to earlier, if you are an Oregon State fan, and I hate to pile on, Jonathan Smith is a hell of a head coach. You just won 10 games for the third time in program history. DJ Uyunglele just transferred to your school. You got all the key games you're going to play this year, I believe, outside of Oregon, taking place at home. No USC on the schedule. Four or five starting offensive linemen are back. You're going to be able to run the ball. You're going to be able to play D. Like, you know those major conferences are going to try to get Jonathan Smith out of Corvallis, and they're going to sell yeah. him on the fact that he doesn't have a major conference to coach in come next year. Oh, it's, it's, you know, it's not even just uh, the coaching. What about the transfer portal? Every yeah. young guy on those rosters is going, get me out of the Pac-12 or get me out of this mess. So it's going to be beyond coaches. Um, and, and you wonder how those schools approach sports after something like this. Because if you don't have the guaranteed TV revenue and you go to another league like the Mountain West, let's say, there's still money, but it's not comparable to what you were getting before. How does that change your entire athletic department? I know Cal has a bunch of debt on the renovation of their stadium that they got to pay for. Stanford's going to be okay, really, no matter what happens. Yeah, they're Stanford. they'll figure it out. Um, but I think they'll that's just rare. invent another app. Yeah, probably. But I think it's rare uh, to feel comfortable in this moment if you're not affiliated with one of those three leagues, the Big 12, Big 10, or the Pac-12. But the, the transfer portal is going to be active, Joe. There's going to yeah. be some phone calls happening 
where a lot of guys by the end of this season are going to be attached to one of those leagues uh, that were not involved in realignment today. Deion Sanders and that cowboy hat are going to be calling everybody. John, yeah, Tennessee. Tonight. Probably tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's calling everybody. John in Tennessee, you've been holding for a while, my man. We appreciate it. Your thoughts, ACC, you're a Virginia Tech fan from what I see. What are you thinking? That is correct. Hey, I'm going to solve your Rose Bowl problem real quick. The Big Ten championship game presented by whatever sponsor at the Rose Bowl. Boom. Problem solved. You have the Big Ten championship in Pasadena. Um, but for the ACC, I was going to give you three points real quick. Um, everybody talks about the ACC like they're down, but I think if they remain true to the fact that they are a basketball conference, whenever that money for the, for the NCAA tournament goes from the NCAA to the conferences, if they, if they stay true to the fact that they're a basketball conference, they need to bank on that. And they can make mm. some moves in football, three moves. One, Notre Dame, you tell them to either bring the football team in or take the rest of their teams to another conference. You play hardball with them. Two, you, take, you go after Houston and Cincinnati, two fairly good football programs that have great basketball um, tradition. And then you shoot your shot and you go to South Carolina. You say you're in conference. Clemson rival is already over here. Uh, uh, Shane Beamer is the coach there, so he's got ACC ties. You go after them, and you go after Kentucky. And you say, Kentucky, uh, you're a mid-level team in the SEC. You can come over here, be competitive immediately in football, and you you unite the Blue Bloods, Duke, Carolina, and Kentucky. You also have uh, Louisville in the ACC, so you have their in-state rival. And you just uh, you try to build out with basketball, and then you know sell the football programs on being yeah. competitive when they come in immediately. All right, we appreciate yeah. that call. That's well thought out. Only reason I'm jumping in yeah. is because we're up against it. There, college football fans, especially the ones from the South, always have it figured out. Right there, <laughs> we've only put the calls out for an hour. We had a very detailed plan that could have gone on another thirty minutes. I love it. It was very well structured. It was very well yeah. discussed. All of you, I see Matt in Toledo, Scott in Virginia, Chris in Pennsylvania, Evan in Ohio. I see all you guys that are hanging. We're coming to you next on Conference Realignment with your thoughts. Triple Eight, say ESPN, anything you want to say. He's Myron Medcalf. I'm Joe Fortenball. That's coming up next. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
Friday. If you're of age and you're responsible, hope you're enjoying a cocktail tonight. In a responsible way, of course, alongside Myron Metcalf, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We have obviously struck a nerve with this conversation. Our phone lines are juiced, so we are going to turn the show over to you, the people. 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN. Conference realignment. Full swing with all the news that was breaking today. You know USC and UCLA are headed excuse me, for the Big Ten next season. Washington and Oregon are now scheduled to join them. You knew Colorado was heading for the Pac-12 after this season. Now you know that Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are scheduled to join them as well. Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford left out. Currently still members of the Pac-12 for 2024, but we will see what happens there. A lot remains to be seen. Myron, we talked about this earlier, what it means for the fans. We're still going to have a full slate of games every single Saturday with monster rivalries to boot. Are you? What, what, are there some new rivalries that stand out to you? Some of these matchups we're going to get year in and year out that resonate a little bit more than others. Like with USC coming to the Big Ten, the Michigan game, the Penn State game, the, the Ohio State game are all huge. With Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, it feels like every matchup they play is going to be a monster rivalry. Yeah, the SEC has to give us Texas-Alabama. Right, I mean, like make it happen. Like as a yearly, oh, give us something. Georgia, Oklahoma. I mean, it's just it's just too easy, right? USC, Ohio State makes a ton of sense. USC, Michigan. So I think, yeah, I think for fans, you're going to get some fascinating rivalries that maybe you didn't think possible. I think for leagues though, who were hoping to maybe do business with one another, like they have in the past, I don't see that happening, Joe. If I'm in the Big Twelve or I'm in the Big Big Ten or SEC right now, why am I playing anybody else? other than the schools in my league. I don't want to risk anything when it comes to trying to make this 12-team playoff. So Great point. I think scheduling is going to change. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Texas and Oklahoma coming over to the SEC, from a regional standpoint, from a history standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. I am fascinated. The way Washington currently plays football under head coach Kalen DeBoer, who, if you don't know Kalen DeBoer, he might be the most underrated college football coach in the business. First year on the job in Washington last year, he won 11 games and had a top five offense nationally. Not in the conference, nationally. Michael Penix Jr. is a legit Heisman Trophy threat this season. With the way Washington plays, Oregon plays, UCLA plays with Chip Kelly, and USC under Lincoln Riley, that is not necessarily the type of football we see on a weekly basis in the Big Ten. We don't see that yeah. from Michigan. We might see it this year from Wisconsin, now that Luke Fickle's there and they're doing things differently. We don't necessarily see it from Penn State. Like, There's going to be a nice cultural clash when you take what Washington does and you put it up next to what Iowa does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those Iowa, uh, Iowa, Washington, and Oregon games are going to be interesting. <laughs> To see, to see what happens, man. Washington's <laughs> going to run seven plays for the entire game. Seven <laughs> touchdowns. 49-13 is going to be your final. Let's go back to the phones. Matt's in Toledo. Matt, we appreciate the phone call tonight. Thank you for calling Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. I'm alongside Myron Metcalf this evening. What do you got for us? Uh, thanks, guys. Love listening to the show. Uh, just conference realignment. I mean, we're basically at a point where you join one of these conferences or you get left behind. I mean... There's not much you can say. It's a money grab right now. And honestly, if it wasn't for the the draft rights in the ACC, that might, dominoes might fall there too. 
I know being from Ohio, I'd love to see a game where USC came to Columbus or one of the Michigan schools in November for a culture clash. I think that's great for the game, but we'll see. I think you make an interesting point there about the money. Deion Sanders, NFL Hall of Famer, current Colorado head coach, had this to say with his thoughts about what realignment's all about. Man, I don't care about no different teams moving. We're trying to win, man. I don't care where we play. I don't care what conference, who we're playing against. We're trying to win. All this is about money. You know that. It's about a bag. Everybody's chasing a bag. Then you get mad at the players when they chase it. How's that? How do the grown-ups get mad at the players when they chasing it when the colleges are chasing Very well said. I mean, Dion's never won the mince words. It's one of the reasons why people like him so much. Yeah, can can we end all of the they're getting NIL money stuff when coaches are making eight, nine million and entire (laughs) leagues are entering the transfer portal? Like, come on, man. Let's end that conversation in sports. You said this off air, but I'm going to ask you the question you asked me, and then you had the answer. In 2028, the year 2028, the team that finishes dead last in the SEC, how much money are they going to get from the TV deal? $100 million. <laughs> it doesn't even. First place team, $100 million. Last place, $100 million. It doesn't Nobody's even leaving. sound real. <laughs> $100 million. <laughs> yeah. Jackson's You think Vandy cares? You right, think those teams care like, at the bottom? Absolutely not. $100 million <laughs> to finish last in the SEC. Jackson's from Texas. Jackson, we appreciate the phone call. Your thoughts on college realignment? Hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm not a Texas fan. Why would I be? Um, you know, my, my parents went to Florida State. So, obviously, you know, that Garnet runs deep, brother. But I don't know that I like these big changes. I hate to sound like a geriatric, but, like, <laughs> I don't know that I like these big changes, man. Well, what is it, what is it that stands out that's probably the most alarming to you? What, what, what's troubling you on this fine Friday evening? I think that if – a Florida State Seminole has to play a November game in Iowa City, Iowa. They might break every bone in their body. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's a weather. It's a regional thing. We appreciate the phone call. Thank you so much. Myron, you and I talked about this in the break. From a sports betting perspective, something I'm familiar with here in Las Vegas, these travel dates, USC to Columbus, USC to Rutgers, US, uh, you know, if you're going to send Rutgers all the way out to Washington, that matters, man. Those time difference in that travel, that matters. Get, for, get ready for the scheduling fights because yeah. those Ohio States and Michigans and USC are going to say, don't make me go there. They got to come here. You are going to need to have extraordinary influence over the schedule makers because the last thing you're going to want as a UCLA fan is to have a back-to-back at Michigan followed by Wisconsin Oof. in late October, early November. That travel, that yeah. situation is no good for anybody. ESPN, NFL Radio, back got, got those words mixed up. Two-a-days. NFL two-a-days continue. The Seattle Seahawks are next. Myron Metcalf, Joe Fornball, Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There is nowhere on earth where you will find the most eclectic mix of parlay betting anywhere on the planet than with 
ESPN Radio producers and board ops. <laughs> Every show, Myron, I have done at any time of day with any cast of characters, all of which I love. I've been lucky enough to have great relationships with all, all these people. I hear about the wildest parlays imaginable. <laughs> now, you mostly just hear about the winners, but you'll hear about some of the losers as well. But it's, it's amazing. How many of y'all are gambling back there? Who's, first of all, who's working the board tonight? I wasn't even talking to everybody before the show. It's Cam. Cam, all right, all right. You're on the mic. You're here. Welcome to ESPN Radio. You got the national platform. What's the parlay you're betting tonight? It's just Christian Yelich and Corey Seager hitting um, home runs, and Seager's already hit one for the Rangers, so just waiting for Yelich now. So your decision tonight cool. was that you were going to find two baseball players and you were going to bet a parlay <laughs> that each one of these individuals would hit a home run on the same night. Is that correct? Absolutely. And you've already got Seager, and now you need Yelich. Yep. It's a fantastic bet. America is rooting <laughs> for you. America is rooting for you. I, I love it. I, I love it. I live for this stuff. All right. He's Myron Metcalf. Generous. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Jake Paul takes on Nate Diaz in a fight tomorrow. I believe it's in Dallas, Texas. Myron and I are going to talk about that later. I got a pretty good bet. I think you guys might be interested in. We're going to do that in maybe 15 minutes or so. We've got to get to some NFL stuff. First, tune into an NL West battle tomorrow night as the Padres host the Dodgers. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And on Sunday, as the Padres host the Dodgers. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation Two-A-Days. Time is here! On ESPN Radio. The Seattle Seahawks. Blue 58! Go! I'm ESPN Seahawks reporter Brady Henderson, and the biggest storyline for Seattle is whether their restock defense can finally hit the ground running. They've gotten off to miserable starts in each of the past three seasons. Last year, there was no drastic turnaround like the two years before. The Seahawks overhauled their front seven this offseason, most notably adding Draymond Jones and bringing back Bobby Wagner in free agency. And the back end got an upgrade as well, with Seattle taking cornerback Devin Witherspoon fifth overall. It's a much more talented defense. It's got better scheme fits up front than what they had last year, but a lot of new pieces will have to mesh in camp in order to avoid another stumble out of the gates. And another big challenge, Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks are both coming off major injuries and may not be ready by week one. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. Surprising season for the Seahawks last year. They were one of the top three or four teams in Vegas going into the season to finish with the worst record. Surprise, surprise, 9-8 and eight wild card berth. They lose that wild card game at San Francisco, 41-23. No shame in that. The Niners were a hell of a club. Geno Smith comes out of left field. Plays fantastic football, wins comeback player of the year. Seattle ninth in scoring offense, but 25th in scoring defense. So they address that, as you just heard, with the first-round pick, number five overall, cornerback Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. They also had a first-round pick that they used on the offensive side of the ball, pick number 20, wide receiver Jackson Smith-Najigba out of Ohio State. 35-1 to to win the Super Bowl, 14-1 to to win the AFC, second best odds to win the NFC West behind San Francisco, who is your minus 200 odds on favorite. Seattle's win total is nine. So you can bet over nine wins or under nine wins in Las Vegas. What do you think, Myron? Do we get a repeat for performance from Geno Smith and the Seahawks? Do they build upon that? Or is that a fluke and they come crashing back to earth this year? I think the Seahawks are a sleeper, man, in the NFC. Geno Smith, I don't think he'll regress if I told you that he had a higher QBR than Joe Burrow, 
at a higher passer rating than Josh Allen last year, nobody would believe it, but he no. did. He was top seven in QBR, top five in passer rating, did everything that he was supposed to do, ended up getting a Pro Bowl nod out of it. Tyler Lockett uh, and D- DK Metcalf both went over 1,000 yards. You draft Jackson Smith in Jigba, who's only going to make that a more powerful unit. Uh, Devin Jefferson, as you mentioned, tore it up at Illinois, was a big uh, problem for all of the Big Ten. Uh, Bobby Wagner as linebacker, calling the shots. And I think Seattle's just going to be a tough team to deal with. Now, that defense was very problematic. The run defense, they couldn't stop anybody. I think they were 30th in the NFL overall, 13th in passing defense and yards allowed. Uh, They have to clean that up to have a chance, not even just in the NFC West, but anyone they play against. But if they can improve even modestly, I think Seattle's going to be an interesting team to watch because the offensive firepower is there. Uh, They just got to be better on defense. Kenneth Walker, uh, Zach Charbonnet, two of their running backs, Walker entering year two, Charbonnet entering year one, both a little dinged up right now in camp. Neither appears to be too serious, but we're going to be monitoring that throughout. I mean, Again, like I mentioned, they were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the NFL last season, and Geno Smith just surprised everybody. Everybody. The long ball especially. He was fantastic with his deep ball last year. They still have an incredible home field advantage, and perhaps one of the best things working in their favor is that this is a thin NFC. I'm not going to say weak Mm -hmm. NFC. It's just thin. The Eagles should be good. The Cowboys should be good. Outside of that, who else do we know that's going to be good? The Niners? Yeah, I agree. Brock Purdy's injury, we're going to have to keep an eye on the elbow. Detroit's supposed to contend, but I don't know about Minnesota. Everybody in the NFC South, from the Saints to the Falcons to the Panthers to the Bucks, there are a lot of question marks with those teams. Seattle's in prime position at the very least to find their way to another wild card berth and maybe win a game or two in the postseason because I don't think the Rams are coming back. That's a team that had a bad year no. last year. They didn't have any money to spend in free agency. They lost Jalen Ramsey. Arizona's projected by Vegas to be the worst team in the NFL this year. So Seattle should be sitting pretty. Find your way into the wild card and make a little noise. Pete Carroll's done a heck of a job with this club. He has. I mean, to lose Russell Wilson and to find a quarterback that a lot of people have given up on, and he plays better than Russell Wilson, uh, tells you a lot about who Pete Carroll is and what they were able to do, man. You said it's thin. I do think it's weak. I mean, compared to past years, I think Philadelphia is really good. Dallas will see. Dak Prescott yeah. has to really cut down on the interceptions. That's a real thing. Zach Martin still isn't in camp. You got to sign him. That's a big part of what they do. NFC South, nobody's talking about them because they shouldn't be. It's a very weak division. But I do think 49ers are legit. I think Minnesota and Detroit will compete against one another for that division. But it just doesn't feel like an insurmountable NFC. And in past years, it has felt that way. So Seattle has a shot, man. I do think they're a sleeper, especially with all the talent they've added this offseason. They definitely got better. That's the key. They got better. They yeah. had something they worked with last year. They went 9-8. and eight. It looked good. They upgraded on both sides. They got better. They have some injured players coming back. That should also make them better. There's a lot to be excited about. There were some, well, you know, I'm not even going to get into that. It's just, it's a team that has a lot of potential and they were exciting. That's the thing for me. There there are the contenders for the Super Bowl, obviously. There's the bottom of the barrel. I like the teams that find themselves in a lot of close games or that have these exciting finishes. Seattle's one of those teams. Geno Smith and what the Seahawks did offensively last year, every week you were putting them on, you were shocked, absolutely shocked based on how they were projected to finish the year. You get the running game going this season. And I'll tell you that home field advantage I think it was 2013, I want to say. It was the one and only time I was at 
CenturyLink. And I know it's not called CenturyLink now. I think it's Lumen. But it was a Sunday night game between the Seahawks and the Niners. It was like week two. Never in my life have I been in an environment like that. I went up there specifically for that. It was the year they went on to win the Super Bowl. It was nuts. There was a lightning delay. So everybody in Seattle was, I'm going to use this phrase, they were putting one in the air. If we all know what I'm talking about during the lightning delay, you could smell it everywhere. And then everyone went back in, game started, Seahawks rolled them, people chucking Skittles all over the place because that's what was going on back then. If you've never seen a game in Seattle, I would say put it on the bucket list. It's fantastic. It looks amazing, you know, and they they have like the noise record, right, I believe, out there. So I, I would love to see it, man. I think they had it, and then Guinness went to Arrowhead like a couple weeks later and the Chiefs yeah, went out was. of their way to try yeah. to break it. There was a whole back yeah. and forth thing that was taking place there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But we'll know. figure it out. They're going to be a good team this year. We've got two good teams tonight for two days, Seahawks and Dolphins. All right. Something near and dear to the heart of Myron Metcalf and myself is the fight game. We've got an interesting one this weekend. Jake Paul, Nate Diaz. Yes, that Jake Paul. And yes, that Nate Diaz coming over from the UFC. We're interested how many of you are watching it, how many of you are betting it, how many of you care about it. And for those who are into it, what does a loss mean for Jake Paul? Phone lines, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We've got our bets on the fight next. He's Myron Metcalf. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We have some boxing this weekend. We've got a great UFC card that's going to be in Nashville, headlined by Corey Sandhagen taking on Rob Font. That'll be on ESPN+. Plus. That'll be all over the place. Um, that's a great card, and that Nashville crowd is going to turn out yeah. for that. But we've got some boxing this weekend as well. Myra and I are boxing fans. Jake Paul. The YouTuber, at least that's one way people describe him. He's back in the ring this weekend. He's going to be taking on Nate Diaz, one of the UFC's all-time fan favorite fighters. They're fighting right around 185 pounds, which is where they wore in now, which is where they weighed in. Now, Nate, not necessarily a boxer. He knows how to box, but he's a mixed martial artist. Jake Paul has been boxing for quite some time. Last time we saw him was over in the Middle East. He lost to Tommy Fury, the younger cousin of... Heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. They went to a decision after eight rounds. Fury won the split decision. So Paul coming off his first loss as a, quote, professional fighter. Myron, as a fight fan, I'm sure you've watched some of this. Just, you know what? The floor is just open. Any commentary you have on this, you are. I don't want to even set you up with something specific yeah. because some of this is just still so surreal watching some of these guys box each other. Yeah, I don't watch Jake Paul for the skill. I mean, he's not a skilled boxer. He's not a boxer at all. But he's a guy who I do think takes it seriously. He's training, and he's used his big spotlight, and, and he's invested into the sport. I think that's a good thing. I think Jake Paul is good for boxing. I think he has proven that people want you to sell a fight. He's done that. Uh, but if he loses to Nate Diaz, it's probably over, you, you know, for him in the ring. Uh, Nate Diaz is 38 years old. I think he's 2-3 and three in his last uh, UFC fights. Um, but it's an event, and I think that's the difference here, Joe. Like, boxing at its best, that's an event. Spence Crawford was an event. I think yeah. it would have been a better event if those two guys talked a little more, if there had been a little more buzz between them. And I don't think you had that in that fight. And Jake Paul is doing that in these events, and that's why people are paying attention, because he's making them pay attention, 
And boxing, I think, has lost some of that and needs more. It's a show. Not to equate it to professional wrestling, but professional wrestling is all about getting you fired up for the bout that's going to take place. Now, obviously, there's an element of theatrics there versus professional Mm -hmm. boxing. Again, not necessarily trying to equate the two, but you've got to get people excited about what's coming. There's a reason it takes two weeks to go from the championship games to the Super Bowl. It's two weeks to get everyone fired up. Boxing does it. We do it here at ESPN with every event we promote because we want you fired up. It's why we get excited about sports, right? There's a lot of drama in between the lines. Speaking of which, do we have the pizza money stuff sounded up? Let's give the people some action tonight if we want to go ahead and cue that, and then we can go ahead and fire off some bets here. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. You guys are fantastic. Well done. Last night, we gave out one bet. It was the over in the Hall of Fame game. It hit, so we're up one unit. Overall, as a show, 155 wins. 140 defeats, two ties. We are plus 15.49 units since we started this little thing back in January. Nate Diaz, Jake Paul, I'm going to go under seven and a half rounds. It's minus 105. I do not see this being a very long fight. Paul just went eight rounds with Tommy Fury, and I think that's why people have this as a favorite to go eight plus rounds. It's supposed to be a 10-round fight, by the way. I don't think it's going to last that long. It went that far because Tommy Fury is not going to stand in trade. He's going to stick and yeah. move. He's going to avoid contact. That's not Nate Diaz. Nate's a pressure fighter. He's going to come after Jake Paul. And Jake Paul's one-dimensional, but he's got power in that big right hand. And when I mean one-dimensional, he's not Manny Pacquiao. He's an amateur, but he's yeah. professionally fighting now. He's got a big right hand. If those two are going to stand in trade, I do not see this thing going eight or more rounds. So pizza money number one, the only one for tonight, under seven and a half rounds, minus 105, uh, Jake Paul, Nate Diaz. Jake Paul was speaking recently, being asked what it would take to fight Conor McGregor. I would imagine very little because that would be the biggest payday of his life. Here's what he had to say. He's the one um, who who might go to jail. He's in trouble. He's dealing with a lot of legal issues, doing a lot of crazy things, and his career has gone off track. Right now, I really wouldn't even be interested in fighting him. I want to fight people who are taking the sport seriously and are going to challenge me. Right now, if I were to fight him, he would probably be hung over the day of the fight, so it wouldn't even be that. That would be easy work. So um, it all just depends, but I have my eyes on names like Canelo, bigger names than, than Conor McGregor, and I want to continue to challenge myself and face professional boxers. Canelo, huh? What do you okay. make of that? He's a bit of a step up in class. Canelo would literally put his glove through Jake Paul's chest, right? Like, these guys, it's a different level with the pro boxers and the elite guys. Jake Paul knows better. I mean, yes, he would fight Conor McGregor if that were on the table. Um, He is a guy who can get overconfident. He he beat up Nate Robinson. He beat up Tyron Woodley, guys who haven't had any real professional experience. And I think, you know, he's in a similar spot with Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz has a lot of skills, was known as a guy who could punch in the UFC. But he doesn't have any real boxing experience, you know, and I think it should be a quicker fight. But when Jake Paul talks Canelo and all these guys, like those dudes would seriously hurt him. And I don't even think you need Canelo. Go get the best guy in the gym in your local boxing club. Right. That guy will beat up Jake Paul. (laughs) Like you're aiming for one of the all-time greats right now. The all-time greats. Aim for the guy that he spars with and then aim for the guy below that guy, and that might be – a better fight for you. Jake Paul sounds like he's in the zone, by the way. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. 
I'm interested in the fight. I'm interested in the UFC stuff that's taking place tomorrow night. I mean, who wouldn't want to fight Conor McGregor? The problem with McGregor is it's all talk at this point. And you can understand why. He's made more money than he could possibly spend in one lifetime, although we'll see if he can pull that off. Every, he was supposed to be doing this tough series right now with the UFC alongside Michael Chandler. And then when the series ended, as they're the two coaches, they were supposed to fight one another. Yeah. It's very clear that's not going to happen. Chandler wants that fight because he knows it's the payday of all paydays, but he's not going to get it. So now Justin Gaethje knocks out Dustin Poirier last week in Salt Lake City, and Connor's talking about how he'd knock Gaethje out with one shot. Gaethje says afterwards, you know, you got to get into the... I'm paraphrasing, but you got to get into the drug testing. Connor, like the drug testing is very serious in UFC. It's like a six month process and Connor is unwilling to do it. I don't know if we're ever going to see him in there again. Do you? No. Uh, Connor these days looks a lot like 2000s Barry Bonds, you know, like uh, (laughs) it's just a different build, (laughs) you know, like maybe he's just lifted a lot of weights and and eating uh, his spinach, but uh, he's got to get the program. Because it's dangerous to fight a guy who might have that kind of an edge. So I get it. I get why they all want him. But unless he clears those regulations, it's never going to happen. I don't think Conor will ever fight again. Like, why does he have to? All the money he's made, you know, off his uh, his uh, not tequila. He's got whiskey. Whiskey. You know, he's made now so he's much got money. Beer. Now. He has yeah, got like so much money now. He's so made much. So much money. And that's what they've talked about with his last few fights. It's one thing when you make a lot of money and you're playing in the NBA or you're playing on the, on the PGA Tour. You get a little bit complacent. Okay, but, you know, maybe this. You can't get into the octagon or into the ring complacent. You get dropped. And the last few fights, that's what it's looked like. When he was broke and hungry and going for it, that's when you're at your absolute best. Mike Tyson as well. But then you start to get rich. You start to build an entourage. Life changes. You get comfortable. The hunger wanes a little bit. And then you get into that ring. I mean, this is what Rocky Three was all about. You get in that <laughs> ring, it's all about glamour. Here comes Clubber Lang. He's hungry. He wants to take you out. He doesn't yeah. even care about the money at that point. And then, boom, you see how that all plays out. So, ultimately, uh, it's, it can be a bad spot for some of those guys. But this fight should be good tomorrow night. We get the UFC card. We've had a good year in boxing, have we not? We still have some big great. fights on the horizon as well. Canelo's going to be coming up against Charlo and a lot of others yeah. before the end of the year. Banner yeah, year. I think people are... I mean, Charlo, I think, is going to be a tougher test for Canelo than people realize. Um, Tyson Fury and Ghana was another event, kind of a spectacle. (laughs) But, you know, that'll be something I'll I'll pay for it. But we've seen Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, Spence Crawford. So it's been a really important year for the sport. Now they got to maintain this momentum. The UFC gives us all the fights we want, and I just wish boxing would do the same. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.